So I've always been somebody who would like really enjoy watching a good mystery, some sort of a mystery television show, mystery movie. It's just something that's always intrigued me. Even as a little kid, my favorite cartoon was Scooby-Doo uh, because there's always that one mystery and they rode around in the mystery machine and they solved mysteries. And at the end, you found out who did it and everything was great and you went back to life feeling content. Okay, good. We all love a good mystery. And to speak of God is to speak of mystery. And the way we would probably prefer it goes is that, you know, we show up at Mass and there's this great mystery. And then at the end of Mass, we're able to walk away because the mystery had been solved. No problems. Let's move forward. Well, it doesn't exactly work like that. God is forever revealing, but he's also holding back. The human mind cannot fully contemplate the mystery of God, and yet God continues to put things forward saying, yes, but let me explain to you at least a touch of the mystery that is me. And we see that today. In fact, he didn't wait long. God did not wait long in the midst of this Mass to reveal a part, a very important part of the mystery of who he is. It was in the Collect, which is the prayer that prayer where I say for the very first time, let us pray, and then I hold my hands like this, and, and then I pray. And it's a prayer that most of the time we're just trying to figure things out. Who all is here at Mass? And, and we miss the words of that prayer. Most of the time we miss the words of that prayer. And so I'm going to repeat some of those words to you. Be paying attention for the word mystery because it's in there. God our Father, who by sending into the world the word of truth and the spirit of sanctification made known to the human race your wondrous mystery, grant us, we pray, that in professing the true faith, we may acknowledge the trinity of eternal glory and adore your unity. Okay. Powerful in majesty. Again, even there, that's, I mean, it's just, it's hard to kind of wrap our minds. There's so much packed into about three lines that we kind of, what? What? Let me break it down a little bit further. God, the Father, since Jesus and the Holy Spirit into the world. Why? To reveal his mystery. What is the mystery? If you're looking at the prayer that I'm actually looking at, there's going to be two words coming up that are actually capitalized. Words that aren't normally capitalized in the middle of a sentence, capitalized. The first word is Trinity. It's capitalized. And the second word that's capitalized is unity. It's triune, it's three, and yet it's unified, it's one. So, can't wrap our minds around it. Thank you for revealing this mystery to us, God, but it's still mysterious to me. Let's move forward. A lot of times you know that I am quick to quote a particular bishop, Bishop Robert Barron. Today, not Bishop Robert Barron, but Bishop Gerald Vinke. He sends out an e-newsletter to uh, the faithful, and this week in the e-newsletter, here's what he said about the triune God. By his very nature... God is love. We hear that all the time. By his very nature, God is love. God the Father loves God the Son. God the Son loves God the Father. And the love between them is God the Holy Spirit, the triune God right there. This eternal love is poured then into our hearts, being brought into the unity that is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Three in one, unified, and we are brought into all of that. He loves each one of us individually, intimately, and unceasingly. Our destiny is to be with the Holy Trinity now and forever. 
All right, thanks. Four minutes. I was four minutes of a lot of big words and a lot of theological speaking, but now we're going to take a shift. We're going to talk about something else. We've had a lot of time on our hands these days. It's just true. Last week, had the pandemic not hit, I would have been at college week of prayer and action, helping with some of the training. This coming week, I would have been heading to uh, a vacation with some of my seminary friends. None of those things are happening, so what do I do to fill my time? Generally, I watch uh, uh, history documentaries or I listen to history podcasts. I know, I'm a bit of a nerd, but that's what I do. And in doing so, I've recognized something over these days. That the key to all things, I think, the key to all things, either good or bad, have to do with two words, unity or division. And isn't that interesting, that if God is a unity, a capital U, unity, then yes, all things tending toward unity would be of God, whereas all things trending or tending towards division would not be of God. I look at this, I look at history, 102 years ago this year would have been World War I. We would have been ending World War I, 1918, 15 to 22 million people died in World War one. I don't know if I said two earlier. I meant one. If I said two, I meant one. World War I, 102 years ago. 15 to 22 million deaths. And on the heels of that pandemic by the name of the Spanish flu killed 50 million people. How did we overcome? Well, we overcame by people coming together, good people coming together. If you're talking about the flu, you've got doctors, you've got medical professionals, you've got scientists all working together. You've got people working together to try and protect other people coming together. That's of God. That's unified. Looking out for all that is good, all that is true, all that is beautiful. That's of God. And people acted in a heroic way in those years. 81 years ago, World War II would have started. 70 to 85 million people died because of World War II. 76 years ago, yesterday, right, it was D-Day. What was that all about? It was a tragic time in our world, a tragic time in our world. And all of these people, so many of these deaths, so unnecessary. But eventually a world came together to defeat a man by the name of Adolf Hitler, who was set on dividing the world. Now, he called it unity, but it wasn't a unity built on truth, goodness, and beauty. It was a unity that was warped in his mind that was built on lies, falsities. This master race will be unified, this master race, and we will eliminate the world of all else. And so the world had to come together, had to rise. Great violence, sadness, tragedy throughout the whole thing. But yet the world came together. And I think that there had to be something of God in what the world did to say, no, this truth that you're trying to put forth as truth, Adolf Hitler, will not last. We look at the the civil rights movement 56 years ago this year. The Civil Rights Act was passed. Do you get that? That's 1964. The civil rights legislation went forth. And good people came together of different races to say there needs to be some legislation to help races that have been rejected, to help the races that have been discriminated against. That was 1964. By the way, Martin Luther King Jr., he was shot four years later. Why? Didn't that legislation already pass? Yes, it passed, but the hearts of humans throughout America had not yet been converted. 
to that truth, to that goodness, to that beauty. And so men like Martin Luther King Jr. and others who stood by him continued to fight for that which was right, that which would unify us, seeking out godly things, goodness, truth, and beauty. Now, it's rarely as easy as we want to make it look. And in the heart of every human is both good and bad. And sometimes we would see that as well. Even in in the midst of these different wars and movements, we would see the good and the evil kind of intertwined. Again, every human heart still in need of conversion on a daily basis. People coming together for goodness, truth, and beauty, always of God. And we believe that that will always rise to the top amongst a grace-filled people. We being baptized Christians, we are filled with God's grace. We have God's grace active, working within us. God's life working within us. And although, yes, we still are a sinful people and we still have our own struggles, we still need conversion, we trust that God sent His Son into the world so that we may not perish, but that we may have eternal life. He didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. And so if we as a baptized people, if we as a Christian people can do what we know we always have done and must continue to do, allow the grace of God to rise within our hearts, even in the midst of this pivotal time in our nation, we will rise above. We will rise above and we will restore unity in the midst of disunity. What does that look like? Again, a continual pursuit of goodness, a continual pursuit of what is true, what is truly true. And sometimes it's not always so easy to see that. Hitler's Germany, for those who were following him, clearly were having a difficult time seeing what was truly true. And that which is beautiful. I would encourage you, all of you, to, to listen to Father Drew's homily from last night speaking a touch on some of these very same things. The recognition that you can't love someone if you don't know someone. It's a great homily. I'd recommend that you, that you listen to that. But here's the thing. I think it's true. Yeah, I, I think it's true that throughout every nation there's always a need for policy reform. Absolutely. And so if we need policy reform, then let's go. But also, there's a need for the reformation of human hearts, yours and mine, and a continual conversion of heart. And with that, with that, let's really go. Let's go. For if we will profess ourselves to be a grace-filled people, then we must let the grace of God prevail within our hearts, within our lives, within our communities, and within our entire country.